This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we watch sci-fi, fantasy, and everything in between. This week, Riverworld, Part 2. You did well, Matthew Elman. I didn't do anything. It may not have seemed like much, but... You saved this world. By forcing Burton off the tower, the vessel's force field prevented the blast from fusing with the planet's power source. I didn't force him to do anything he wasn't already prepared to do. A sequence of events leads to a consequence. You were principled to that sequence. Without you, the result would have been catastrophic. Welcome to Continuing Drag, the podcast recording one week after Jordan's birthday. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. How was your birthday, Jordan? (laughs) It was fine, thank you for asking. Yeah, did you get something nice for your birthday? I got a birdhouse. That's pretty nice. Yeah, I needed a new birdhouse, so that worked out really well. Pre-assembled, or do you have to make it yourself? No, no, pre-assembled. I don't think anyone wants me to put anything together. Fancy. Is it like an exact replica of your home, but for birds? <laughs> oh, I wish. No, no, no. It's uh, it's uh, It's got like a, a hinge thing. There's a spot for them to sit on. It's going to be uh, hours of bird viewing, you know? A perch, some might call it. <laughs> That's right, a perch. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get back into more Riverworld, Jordan, put together a little mm-hmm. game for you so we can find out which of these characters you like the most. Oh, this is going to be a real hard game because uh, these characters are pretty unpleasant. So in a, in a classic uh, retool of a, of a game with some bad words in it, we're going to play <laughs> uh, a variation on, uh, what is it called? Uh, Kiss, Mary Kill? Well, we'll say the nice version. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, but this yeah. time, for Riverworld, we're going to change it up to jump into the sack with on first meeting, search <laughs> Riverworld for, that's the equivalent of marrying, by the way, you're going to search the Riverworld for them, uh, and of course, pointlessly kill them because they can come back to life. That's right. Uh, we should say before we even start the game, man, it really takes the uh, the drama out of a show where you when you know that people will just come back immediately after dying. Mm, yeah, not really if you just decide it's going to be the most dramatic thing on your show, even though everyone at home's like, doesn't matter. <laughs> They really do. Anyways, that's not part of the game. Let's do it. All right, so we got the first category. This is just sort of an assortment of, I believe these are all fictional characters. Uh, You've got Matt Elman, our hero, Mm -hmm. Simon Porter, the cameraman, and Yusuf, the the taxi driver turned soldier for Mark Twain. Hmm. Well, the worst character is our lead, Matt Elman. So uh, what's the killing version? Uh, pointlessly kill. Pointlessly kill, just like they do in this show. He'll We're be back, do that don't too. worry. Yeah, he'll be back. <laughs> That's right. I, I would say uh, I would... Um, I think I'm going to search for Simon. Interesting. You're a Simon yeah, fan. Yeah. Eh? You want to spend some more time with Simon. <laughs> well, I mean, he's maybe the least objectionable of the characters. I mean, he doesn't have much to do, and they sort of, like, I like that they just let him, like, suffer to die at one point, but, and then the other uh, gentleman. Yusuf. Uh, he's, he's, Yusuf, he's, he's the last category. You'll, you'll jump into the sack with him when the first time you meet him. Might as well. Interesting. I would maybe swap Simon and Yusuf. I find Simon more objectionable, but. Uh, do you? He's fine, but I don't want to, I don't want to spend my life searching for him on Riverworld. Yeah. 
I'm happy to meet him one time and move on. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, and then we've got the second category of fictional characters. You've got Jesse uh, McCallan, I believe her name is. She's, of course, mm. the romantic lead who barely in the show, actually. Then we've got Deborah Glass, one of the retirees who bizarrely is completely <laughs> missing from the second part. I, I don't know how. She, is, she was isn't part she? of the crew at the end of part one, and now she's just gone. <laughs> They just there was a scheduling on her days. She just forgot to show up that day. And then of course we have uh, Allegra Bracaforte de Valenza, the um, other I guess the closest to a second female lead whose job is to sleep with anyone who walks by. Yeah, well I think because of her character, I think she's the one you have to jump in the sack with immediately. Okay, because that's all apparently the character has to offer. Um, not a great character. I would then, ugh. Maybe I'll just do what the show does. Maybe I'll search for Jesse. She's so bland, though. There's like, it's the problem is the show is like they have no charisma and she's just a not interesting character and you don't care about his journey. So when he's always like, I got to find Jesse, I just kept screaming, like, why? Why? But I guess I'm going to do that. I'm going to search for Jesse and then, no, you know what? Screw it. I'm not going to. I'm going to search for Deborah and uh, Jesse's going. She's too boring. I switch it up. So you're gonna search for Deborah. I would I would swap. I would rather I would rather spend my time searching for Allegra. She at least has some like charm to her. Deborah's fine. She's a retiree who's very boring. <laughs> Deborah's fine. I, I'd meet her one time. Uh, that's fine for me. But definitely kill. Definitely kill Jesse. Yeah, she's a. I and I feel bad. And here's the thing. Do I think the actress is the strongest actress of all time? Of course not. However, they've given her nothing, and especially in the second half, it's brutal her character it's, it's nothing well it must be really hard to play a character that the writers don't even fully understand what is happening with that character <laughs> that's true yeah she wears a cloak or something uh, and then we've got my next category historical figures so you've got <laughs> richard burton mark twain yeah. and tomo gozen yeah i i found tomo i liked even less in this there's just something every time it's it's worse, like, she gets worse and worse <laughs> She gets worse, right? And it's like I think just for that, you have to, you have to, you have to kill her. You gotta, she's got to go. Now it's a real challenge because, oof. I mean, the Mark Twain is also it's just brutal. It's brutal every time he's on with his like foghorn, you know, whatever that character from Looney Tunes is, foghorn, leghorn, whatever that character is. That's like his accent. But I guess I'll I'll jump in the sack with him, and then I'll I'll spend my life looking for Richard Burton, who I actually think there's something interesting here, but they they don't do anything with him. I feel like he had a he was a character that there was a little bit of gray area and a little bit of something to play with, and they just didn't know what to do. Yeah, it's a tough category. I don't really know how I'd go either. So I, I think I tend to agree with you, though. I, I think at a moment's notice, I could swap between any three. <laughs> Agreed. And finally, Jordan, your final character. You've got the caretakers. Oh, I don't even know if I could tell them apart. You've, of course, got Judas caretaker, female caretaker, <laughs> and male caretaker. There are names in the show. Okay. It's only been a week since we watched the first part. And I can't remember who's the good ones and who's the bad ones. Uh, well, I'll give you a few, a little more detail. It's just to help you. Uh, Judas caretaker is Alan Cumming. Oh, yeah, okay. Female caretaker is the second chancer who's helping out uh, old Matt. Mm. And then male caretaker was the salvationist caretaker who showed up for 30 seconds to get evaporated. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? Just because he got evaporated, he's the one I'm going to search for for forever. 
I think I'm going to um, jump in the sack with old uh, Alan Cumming. And uh, and I'm sending old uh, I can't keep my makeup on my face out. She's going. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Unfortunately, I would I would kill the second chancer caretaker. I might search. I might search for old Alan Cumming. I think though, I always like to always like to see him. He's having not fun with this show, but he's standing there doing his best. He's definitely doing his best. It, it's peculiar he's in this, but there you go. He is not giving it a lot, but he's giving it more than it deserves still. So you have to really give it to him, where he's just like he understands how bad this is, and you can see it on his face. But he's still trying a little harder than he should. I counted three scenes where he literally just looks at something. And, but I don't even know what we're supposed to think. Is he pleased? Is he disappointed? Is he confused? It just is a shot of him looking at something. And he gives it about that much. He does as best he can with the information he was yeah. given. Look over <laughs> there. Like, um, Alan, look over there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Jordan. Well, let's get into it. Here's the IMDb summary for Riverworld. Welcome to Riverworld, a place of strange, watery beauty and the current abode of a fascinating cast of the recently and not so recently dead. It certainly isn't heaven, but it might just be hell. I'm just going to say, I think I like the first half, which is odd as it's the setup. Nothing really happens in this. It's even more confused than the first half. <laughs> it does get more confusing in the first half. Yeah, so I don't know. I just like... Like, we, we've both agreed that the 2003 version was better, right? And it wasn't like it was great. No, but it is certainly better than this, for sure. It's certainly better, yeah. But we do start with uh, Alan Cumming watching a bunch of naked people in their waterbeds. They didn't lose that. Well, it really does pick up right where part one left off. Because Matt yeah. died, he's on his water slab, Alan Cummins hovering above him watching him, and he... Uh, Turns out that um, these caretakers, not only can they read your mind, but they can also, like, implant false memories into your head, apparently. Yeah, it's weird because they, they sort of did it and they were just like, yeah, they're just like, uh, uh, let's all both blink our eyelids real fast. And then, and then they, you got to get the sense later. They're like, he's like, those weren't my real memories. And I was like, so they can read your memories and they can also put false memories in. But to what end? I don't know. Well, to what end, Jordan, is Alan Cumming uses it as a method of waterboarding Matt. Yeah, that's right. But he does it with like like a little ball real quick. It's just like, you've been waterboarded. <laughs> it is so strange because I saw it and I immediately knew what they were going for. Because he's on a, he's on like a flat gurney. It tilts his head slightly backwards. And I'm like, are they like fake waterboarding him? Because then he like they start putting new memories yeah. in his head, which is supposed to be torture, I guess. But, like, halfway through the show, they're just like, I can't believe he waterboarded me. I'm like, oh, so they explicitly want this us to be like, this is waterboarding. <laughs> it was weird, too, because, yeah, I guess you don't really want to actually see it because it's, it's rather unpleasant to see. So they just do a quick, like, orb thing. But I'm like, I guess for the character, it's still pretty horrible. I, just the thing is so odd. Like, is it's just like, what on earth in this show, Waterworld would need a reference to what like there's just no reason you would have this kind of torture and waterboarding on this show like it's just like we really want to make sure that everyone remembers the iraq war when we watch river world well you mentioned this in the last week and i i haven't been able to stop thinking about it since you mentioned it because it's just it really does coalesce a lot of things in this show which is the time period this came out with uh this came out and, and so much is just driven by I guess the Iraq war and just what was happening in the uh, Western culture at the time. Cause there's, there's just so many weird references that just now stick out like 
really quite painfully. You're just like, oh, I, I get it. And it's all just like, I don't know. It's not that it's mean-spirited or it's gross. It's just like awkward and unneeded. Well, it's just constantly like, hey, you guys, in our version, Riverworld is standing for Iraq. Except it's just like it doesn't cross over. And like there's no crossover there. Like if there were, if they were two circles, there's no combination. Like there's no co- crossover between these two ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, it's it's a weird thing. But the whole point of this is really that like, oh, uh, do we even need to talk about the stupid flashback to Japan? I mean, it was just so boring. But well, like, let's, hold on before you jump all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What we can talk about here is what he's doing in this in Round Coming is doing to Matt is he's um showing him like things he doesn't want to see. First it's false memories yes. and then he's showing him uh sort of the history of Jesse on, on Riverworld, but because he can make up fa- fake memories, Matt isn't really sure what's true and what's not. But what he's showing her is that when Jesse arrived on Riverworld, we get a quick shot of her being sexually assaulted for some reason. I was like, why? <laughs> it, was, it was so terrible. And you know what? The the Whatever you want to call it, I'm going to say sexual politics for a lack of a better term, is so terrible in this. All the female characters, it, it, either their only real quality is their sexuality or they're sexually assaulted or something else to that effect. And it's just like, oh, guys, this is so gross. And it's like, yeah, it's like immediately when, of course, like a river world, it's like someone's like, yeah, I got to sexually assault you. And you're like, but don't worry, a man will save her. Yeah. And that's what happened. Richard Burton stepped in, saved her from the assault. And then they uh, like, we see a bunch of flashbacks where they, you see, they fall in love and start hooking up. And I'm just like, what is happening? (laughs) Yeah. It's like that terrible sort of like, I don't know. It's like a bad, badly written trope of like a guy saves a girl. So then she falls in love with him. You know, it's like, cause as you would. And so Alan Cummings showing him all of this to torture him. And I'm like sitting there being like, okay, but to what end are you torturing him? And finally Alan Cummings is like, tell me, tell me what mission the second chancer sent you on. And he, and Matt's just like, I don't know, kill Richard Burton. He's like, no, not that one. Like the big mission. He's just like, I don't know. Like, and like we, the audience also don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it is funny because, and you might've caught it earlier, but by the time we find out like what the mission is, and there's this like the dark tower sort of thing, like Stephen King or something. Um, it's like, I swear it was like 15 minutes left of this thing. I was like, this is what the point of it, of all this was? This is what we were supposed to be doing? Well, that's the thing is the whole thing is built around Matt is this savior that everyone's counting on to do something. But no one's told him what to do other than kill Richard Burton, which he basically says he's not going to do. So it's just like, I don't know what they're fighting over. Like, you've got a guy who's a hero who doesn't know any more than the audience. So, like, I don't know what we're holding on to. Yeah. And, and it is weird because at no point do they have matt have a shift where he's like you know a um uh he's struggling against it he he knows what his destiny is but he doesn't want to fulfill it because of it's difficult or it's challenging or it's going to hurt him or whatever it is he just spends the last movie and this movie being like i don't know what i'm doing or this is dumb and he's like got a bad attitude like that that's his character he's just like there's nothing interesting about him i i he's honestly i hate his character i hate it I mean, it's just the writing. Like, to be fair, like, the only thing anyone told him was, like, kill this random guy. They haven't told him why or, like, and like, there's, oh, they told him why. Like, they, they're like, it'll destroy a river world. But, like, what does he care? Like, no one's given him any stakes. So, like, there's no, like, yeah. there's doesn't make any sense. Anyway, we'll move on. <laughs> we'll catch back up after this. We catch back up with Mark Twain, Tomo, and, like, the rest of that, like, crew of ever-expanding people, which slight, get less and less over the course of part two when they realize they have too many mm-hmm. characters. 
Um, they are all insanely broken up by the death of Matt. They are all so distraught that Matt has died. And I'm just like, what? To what? Why? You've all been here for so long. And Tomo's like, like, like looking out longingly on the water, being like, like, my great friend has died. One of the greatest warriors she's ever known has died. That's right. Which, there's, there's a separate note I'll make. How is this reporter like Chuck Norris? How does he fight everyone? He's a reporter. I, none of it makes any sense. They all just barely met this guy and are all like following him fanatically. I'm like, he has no charisma and has no idea what he's doing. Why would you care? <laughs> but, but also, don't they all know he's going to come back? Yeah, absolutely. And Tomo is so distraught over his death. <laughs> she commits ritual suicide so she can follow him. And I guess she's hoping they'll come back at the same time. None of it makes any sense. And it's like so insane and also just gross having this like ritual suicide is the only thing I can do because I'm Japanese. <laughs> Well, that aside, because there's a lot of there's a lot of levels why this is that's horrible. But <laughs> they've had so much time; it's gonna be three hours of TV time, and they they haven't explained to us how long it takes for people to come back, what it's like, the process, all these sorts of things. Because they've just left everything vague, but not in a mysterious way. In a we haven't thought about it, so there you are. And it's like it would only take in a line or two or dialogue where they're like. Three weeks later, people show up, or 24 hours people show up, or they show up and they're a little bit different, or whatever it may be. They just they don't even bother. They're just like, oh, we don't know. People show up sometimes. Yeah, the implication is when you die, you will come back, but it could take a week. It could take a year. It could take eight years. It doesn't, like, there's no, there's no rhyme or reason. So the idea that she would kill herself to follow him in the hopes of finding him later, just, it makes no sense to stay alive and try to find him. It would be easier. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I just... It felt like her, they decided in the second half, well, what do we want to do with her? And they're like, well, it all has to center around Matt. So her her character is now just, just following Matt. That's that's her desperation. I'm like, oh, okay, sure. Um, whereas the rest of the characters, Mark Twain and the others, his, his other group of people who are with him, they decide they're going to climb a mountain in the hopes of getting over the mountain to get ahead of Richard Burton to get that <laughs> riverboat he stole in part one, try to get that back. And um, yeah. As they're climbing the mountain, they bump into a group of slaves who, this group of, or sorry, not slaves, slavers. They group, they group into a group of slavers. And uh, yeah. for some reason, this group has taken as a slave one of the tour group retirees, Hal, who I don't remember dying in part one, but they're like, he died in part one, and I guess he came back, and then these slavers found him, and now he's a slave of theirs. And I was just like, what? I don't, none of that happened. I also don't remember him dying, so I thought maybe it was just me, but I think they he died off camera. <laughs> I think he might have been pushed off the riverboat when they captured it, but he was like not – I don't remember him being hurt or anyway. None of it makes any sense. He's just now a slave, so Mark Twain and team rescue him, and then they have another long conversation about how difficult it is to p- kill people on Riverworld. It's so upsetting to kill people, and I'm just like – even slavers, even bad people. But I was like, but why? It's video game rules. There are no consequences. <laughs> like, Yusuf's the only one who's just like, doesn't bother me at all. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. None of this matters. <laughs> it is, again, it's it's so bizarre that we should say, like, for a good chunk of this, I'd say the first, I don't know what quarter of this, Matt's still kind of dead. And and none of the characters, because they don't know what to do with him when Matt's not around, because as you said, he's sort of this sort of like weird religious figure to them in, for some reason. He's not around because they need to add this tension that like, I guess he may not come back. 
but we know he's going to back, come back because they explicitly said that. And also because you've seen TV before. We know he's coming back. That's the thing. It's not even like the characters are like, I wonder if he'll come back. None of them are saying that. They're like, well, he'll be back eventually, but I'm still so distraught. <laughs> and they're like, they kill some slavers and they're like, oh, killing is so is so hard on this world. Like, why do we have to do it? I'm just like, you guys, it doesn't, it's meaningless. Like the opposite is true on this world. D- killing someone has no consequence. It has no weight to it. <laughs> Yeah, and and from my uh, uh, questions, we've they've never answered what happens to the dead body. Does it stay there? Yes, I think it does stay there. I'm convinced of it now. <laughs> it's so weird. It's so bizarre. Anyway, as you've said, Matt stays gone from a lot of the episode. We jump back to Matt. Yeah, he's being tossed into a prison cave, <laughs> and the prison next to it, prisoner next to him in the cave is Jesse. He's finally met Jesse, and like he sees her, he's like Jesse, it's so good to see you. And then his first question out of his mouth is. Hey, did you hook up with Richard Burton? Because I'm not very happy about that. <laughs> well, and this is more just for me. I loved it so much because this was just like an episode of Love is Blind. Because <laughs> they're talking through that like yeah. like frosted <laughs> glass so they can't quite see each other. Yeah, and they're having just relationship conversations. But I do love that. He's like, Jesse, I've been searching for you ever. You didn't sleep with someone, did you? And she's like, funny story. <laughs> <laughs> and I do, you know what I like? Because I thought the whole point of like, it's so silly, but. I thought the whole point of these like false images that he sent, it's sort of like, you know, she's being portrayed as this perfect sort of um, archetype of a woman and, and she does no wrong and he's just waiting for her. And, and then these images are showing her in a different light. And and so you think that when he finally talks to her, she'll be like, those are false memories. But she's like, no, 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 I was with Richard Burt. Yeah, that's true. All of it was accurate. <laughs> she was like, yeah, all that was real. And he was like, Oh, <laughs> okay. I guess that's okay. Oh, oh, that's okay. Yeah. He's, oh, he's so awful. And then Alan Cumming comes back. He takes them both back to the back to the uh, waterboarding table, and he's torturing <laughs> Jesse for some reason. Which I'm just like, I didn't understand. Like, uh, I, she's on your side. She's one of the second chancers. Or no, she's one of the Salvationists. So I don't entirely understand why you're torturing her. And then as he's torturing her, she disappears, and Alan Cumming's like. <gasps> She was a phantom projected here all along. I was tricked. And I was just like, but she's on, what? Do you, what? She's on your side. I don't understand what's happening here. I didn't understand this. What? 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 What is the point of any of this? I don't know. Like, it's like the thought process. I was like, all right, Alan Cumming, I guess, is taking Jesse, who is essentially on the, his side of this yeah. secret war. But he's, I guess he's torturing her so that. When Matt watches, he'll give up his secret mission, which he doesn't know, so there's nothing to give up. I, he doesn't know what he's doing. Um, and then while she's on the table, she just evaporates, and Matt and Alan coming shocked, at, he's like, she was projected here as a phantom to trick us. And I'm just like, this is your plan, Alan Cumming. She's on your side. Why? I don't understand. What do you mean she... And, like, I don't know how she projects herself. Like, that's never explained. None of it makes any sense. I think I said this in the, the last uh, podcast, and... I could be repeating myself. I'm not sure if we did, but this whole idea of the, let's say aliens, I guess, for lack of a better word, these blue alien people, these caretakers, the whole idea of them pulling the strings, there's an interesting idea there. And I'm sure in the books, it's stretched out in a way that, you know, you get hints and it it sort of makes sense. You're like, oh, I understand why these things are happening. There's been these people behind the scenes. But it makes it so confusing to watch this thing that I, I'm just like, you can't really take it out the way they've structured it because it wouldn't, it would make even less sense, I guess. But 
they weren't needed, I don't think, at all. Like, why couldn't we have just had a villain who wanted one thing, which was, I don't know, to rule Riverworld, and he realizes uh, something inside himself as a sort of, like, hero to bring people up to save this world for whatever reason. I don't know, for love or whatever dumb thing it is. But, like, the complication of this proxy war just makes it so confusing. And then they keep adding these layers of, like, oh, yeah, and then this person is also like a double agent alien or something. I'm like, what? Why? Why are we, why are we learning all this? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I think the proxy war would have been fine. Like that was a fine, like you're fighting for one side or the other. Great. Whatever. That's just, that's pretty simple. But like, that's just the thing in this section. It's just like, now it doesn't like, they're just like, things have just happened. They make no sense. No one's going to explain them to us. And like the people who should know seem confused. So now you're even just like, what what does that mean? Like it's just like it's it's too much random things happening that feels like they don't even know what's happening. I do have a note here, and it's an all capitalized uh, and uh, capitalized, and uh, I have it a few times in my notes, and it just says what is happening, and that's how I felt the whole time. You're just like, what is happening? It's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, when Alan Cummings so confused that. Jesse's a phantom that disappears. Matt's able to knock him unconscious, which up to this point, I thought they were like, I thought you, because they always use those orbs to do everything. I just assumed they were like incorporeal, these, uh, these blue people. That's why Mm -hmm. they needed like humans. No, they're corporeal. You can knock them on, you can hit their head on a, on a brick and they'll fall unconscious. So there goes that. Anyway, Matt escapes. He runs into the caves and in the caves, he finds Tomo. The second chancer caretaker has gone into the water slabs, resurrected her, brought her here to the caves to protect Matt. So they're immediately reunited. They're just like, they're a real team. And uh, we also suddenly get a turnaround and we see inside of these caves, there's this giant like hydroponic industrial farming world filled with drones farming food, which is, they're, I guess they're explaining how food gets into the spheres that the people use. But I'm just like, the caretakers seem to behave with the use of magic, but now we're worried about the how the farming works that feeds people on this planet. I think it was the same thing from the first movie where they there was that one shot of the horse that we saw that was a robot. It was like they were just like, oh, well, we're going to have to explain horses. Like, why? It's, it's the same thing. It's like, well, we have to explain this food source. Why? Just say it's magic. It doesn't matter. Well, that's just it because they, they fight and beat up a few more caretakers because caretakers are now the easiest thing to beat up, apparently. <laughs> and then the second chancer caretaker appears and she appears behind a rock wall of a cave, which with her mind, she disassembles the rock wall. It just it just evaporates all around them. I'm just like, well, th- that's like the level of science that is basically magic. But also they need drones to build hydroponic food. Like you can't be so all so powerful in one second. And so just like basic technology the next second. <laughs> Well, I, I would disagree because apparently you can. That's Riverworld. And as she meets with them, she's like, hey, good job, Tomo. You found Matt. I dropped you here to meet him. Now I'm just going to teleport you with my mind into the woods and tell you you have 24 hours to find Richard Burton. But I can't teleport you any closer. I'm just going to leave you randomly in the woods. I'm just like, what? What? I mean, it is it is another logic issue with this because they sort of established the, the first movie that the caretakers will kind of intervene a little bit, but don't want to affect the outcome of things too much because that's against their rules and regulations of their of their their world. But it's like, well, where do you draw the line? Because it seems like you guys are just picking it wherever you feel like. It's like, well, I'll transport you out of this thing, but not any further than I need to. It's like, 
okay, why not just transport him to the tower then at the end? If you could yeah. just do that. I don't know. Why not? <laughs> yeah, why not? Anyway, go to the riverboat really quickly where Richard Burton is. We don't spend a lot of time this episode on the riverboat because there are a few like times they're like, oh, something slowed him down, but they're all like, they're not, they're non-obstacles. Like, but anyway, on on this riverboat, Richard Burton has started hooking up with Allegra, uh, Mark Twain's lover. They just immediately start hooking up. <laughs> it's awful. It's awful. It just it's just like that's what I guess her character is. It's fine. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And then Mark, some of Mark Twain's crew is still hiding on the ship. We saw them last. There's the there's an engineer, and then there's uh, I think is Antonio. One of the retirees are still hiding on the ship. And mm. there's like a brief moment where they escape, and they I don't know. They're like we need to get them back, but there's no apparent reason why they need them back. But they're like we need to get them back. And it's only there so that, like, there's a small obstacle. Richard Burton goes. He gets them. He brings them back. And when he's bringing them back, the engineer reveals her backstory. And I almost threw my computer across the room. <laughs> I know. When I, I watched it, too, I was like, oh, come on. It's so awful. I'll let you explain it. The engineer reveals her backstory as she's a French-Canadian woman who was killed by the gunman at a co-polytechnique. Polyte- polytechnique. She's, yeah. in, she's, in, she's like, I was killed in a mass shooting in uh, Quebec that's a horrible tragedy. Anyway, uh, I don't really feel anything about it. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was awful. It was, again, like we've seen a few times, they did it with September 11th earlier. They're like, let's just take a horrible tragedy to, I guess elicit some sort of response from the audience some sort of sadness but they're they do it in such a um ham-fisted and kind of just gross discarded way where they're like hey here's a horrible tragedy that character went through am i right you're like why why yeah it's affected her not really at all as you can see i'm like what is happening here (laughs) it's it's like they're like because this is all this like weird post nine eleven version where I, where Riverworld is our rack or something like this is like whatever reason this is what they've decided to build. So on in Riverworld, typically I think what it is is like you're gonna bump into historical figures, and they're like, what if in our Riverworld you bump into historical tragedies? <laughs> I guess that's true. I'm just like, what if uh, you weren't disgusting, you guys? What if this wasn't the grossest thing I'd ever watched? Yeah, it. I, and I guess also, you know, we should say we're both Canadian, so we, I think both of us tracked. We're like, oh, that's unpleasant. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like you might as well have been like, oh, I died in Columbine. I'm like, what does that mean? Like, and like her whole speech is just like, I died in a mass shooting, and I can tell Richard Burton, you're not a good man. I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah, it's really bad. Anyway, uh, we'll bump back to Mark Twain and his, like, two buddies, Yusuf and Simon the Cameraman. They're climbing the mountain with the uh, – and they've got um, one of the retirees they just saved from the slavers. They're they're climbing this mountain. The man they literally just rescued gets to the top of the mountain. <laughs> Alan Cumming just, like, appears on the side of the mountain. He doesn't do anything. He just stands there for a second. Yeah. And then the retiree falls off a cliff. And Alan Cumming's like – he just nods. He's like, pretty good. And then he disappears. And I'm like – what I was think that? he was supposed to have – I think it, it was supposed to be that he startled him. I think it might just be the poor way it was shot and edited. But, yes, it does, it does seem like the guy just gets up on the mountain and then just falls off. And the rest of them don't even see it happen. And then they walk over like, <laughs> did he fall? Well, it's the thing. They turn around, walk back. Alan Cummings gone. Like, he just showed up to watch a man fall, have a good laugh, and leave. Yeah. 
and they come back <laughs> as they, one does they see the body at the bottom of the cliff and then mark twain sits down he's like i can't go any further i can't believe they're killing us like this i'm like you don't know he died he just slipped off a cliff you don't know anyone this is malicious a eh? and he's just like i'm not going any further and he sits down and he's like we're like i can't do it anymore and he sits down and the other guys sit down next to him and like 10 seconds pass and Mark Twain's like, all right, well, let's keep going. And they just stand up and keep walking. Like, we watch them sit down for five to 10 seconds because Mark Twain can't go any further. And then Mark Twain's like, okay, well, let's keep going. And he just stands up and keeps walking. I was just like, what was this scene? What happened here? <laughs> but it is funny. I'm looking at my notes too. I Honestly, it's just like a confused person. My note is, did, Al- did Alan come and make that guy fall off the mountain? Oh no, Mark Twain is screaming. <laughs> it's just like these notes are just... It's just it's just like a series of scenes that aren't really connected and character motivations don't make sense. And like even this scene with Mark Twain, he just starts screaming. I'm like, why? Why is he screaming? He's just like so mad about like the caretakers manipulating them and then people dying, how 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 awful the deaths are. I'm like, well, they aren't, but calm down. And then he just sits down and says, won't go any further. And he's just like, he looks at his watch, five seconds go by, and he's like, well, time to get up and keep going. I'm like... Okay, so it really had no effect on you, I guess. But, very important thing, because we have the Zeppelin is coming here, right? Yes, that's right. Matt and Tomo run into a Zeppelin in the forest that stopped at a Grailstone to recharge. Um, I don't know if you noticed this, Jordan, but the trivia, everywhere the trivia for the Zeppelin, Hmm. it's got a German name, the Zeppelin. And all the trivia for it is like, in German it means farting around, and people find that very funny. Oh, yeah, I didn't see that. I, I just... I, I don't I didn't understand really maybe I just don't quite get the charm of this world and again I I, I feel bad because I bet the books have something to them because obviously there was a series of books and people seem to really like them but there's no charm to be found in this two episode miniseries and and there's like a riverboat but like I don't know why we don't really learn anything about it or why it's interesting or kind of important. And then we get this Zeppelin. It's because it's the same Mark thing. Twain knew how to build a riverboats for some reason. He yeah. knew. Mark Twain knew the mechanics of building a riverboat. Yeah, but it's like, and even the Zeppelin, it's like, why? It doesn't, we don't really know why it's important to the story that there's this Zeppelin. It just is there as a way to get from point A to point B. But then point B, we don't know why we're even getting over there. It's just like, Why? It is just that they were told they have 24 hours at the riverboat, so they're going to need some fast method of getting there. So a Zeppelin yeah. flies by. Yeah. And it, isn't, it, isn't it made by the guy who made the original one? That's the that's the thing? Yes, yes. The, it's piloted by a World War II ace, and it was built by the man who created the Hindenburg. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, and my favorite part is, like, it's landed. It's, it's recharging. Apparently these grail stones where you can get food – are also like electric or like electric uh, charging stations for electric vehicles as well. I don't know. They just shoot out electricity and charge any boat that any boat or zeppelin that happens to come by. Well, there's a couple things I like though on the boat because it like it has a moment where they're like, let's slow down this action, everyone. Let's just have everyone have a drink and they'll just chat. And there's a two things they're like, uh, Matt's like, hey, you got one of those like like generators that like that power your thing? He's like, yeah, the the blue people gave that to me too. Anyway, I was like, oh, okay, well they're they're interfering again. They're just giving everyone these uh these power systems. But then the only little bit that we really learned about Riverworld is he's like, yeah, I've been traveling all over it. It's about a hundred times bigger than Earth. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's really big. 
what I like is Matt and Tomo encounter them. They see the Zeppelin, and they're just, like, there to get some food and recharge. And Matt and Tomo jump on the pilot, pull his, put a sword to his neck, and say, you're <laughs> taking us to Richard Burton. It's, like, it's the most aggressive attack of this man. The man's like, calm down, sure. I, you could have just asked. Like, they, they, they're going to kill him. And he's just like, whoa. You could, like, you literally could have asked me. I would have said yes. <laughs> But they're both warriors. One's a nun and one's a reporter. <laughs> so that's the only way they know how to act. But yeah, they get on the Hindenburg. The Hindenburg immediately flies over the mountain where Matt, Mark Twain and his buddies are hanging out. They pick them up too. <laughs> yeah, I do like though that they don't they don't show that how that sort of happens. They're like they're like way 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 far away. They're like, hey, there's Mark Twain and his friends, and then it's just a cut to they're all in the, they're all in the they're ship. all on the like, boat. All right, sure, absolutely. Alan Cumming shows up and like puts like teleports Matt to the wing of the, the wing of the Zeppelin. And, um, you know, he's just like, don't let us destroy Riverworld, please, Matt. Don't interfere. He's just like, and he's sort of like, also, he's just like, he's like, he suggests, he's like, don't you understand that Riverworld is torment for humans? I'm just like, I, I don't know. Is it? We've seen not like, I mean, that's a real esoteric reading of it. So uh, like, it's just so weird. Like there's just like all these scenes. And then there's another scene where they're, where you said they're all gathered around just like having drinks, talking about their yeah. their adventures, and then one of them brings up, they're like, "Hey, does anybody know about that UFO that vaporized Earth? Does anyone have any information <laughs> about it?" Yeah, that's right. And they're all just standing there, and they're like, "No, I have no further details on that." And they're like, "Yeah, not me neither, me neither." And they're like, "Oh, okay, uh, cool. I just wanted to bring it up real quick and remind everyone it was vaporized by UFO, but we don't know anything more than that." And they're like, "Oh, okay, great." The, the, the one guy, the one guy though, was like, he's like, "Oh, I'm glad that was confirmed." Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I heard some rumors that the aliens had destroyed Earth, so I'm glad you guys mentioned it. Yeah. Anyway, and then the Zeppelin catches up with the riverboat as it's reaching the Dark Tower, which is just like it's a tower on top of a mountain, basically. Yeah. This this weird tower. It looks like it's straight out of the puzzle game Mist. It has the exact same <laughs> like, not just the CGI level, but also just like it's like the production designer is the guy who made Mist because it looks just like it's like a scene from Mist is happening at the top of this mountain. But again, I'll point out we're only finding out just before this scene where we're talking about that they really need to go to this dark tower. Like, why didn't they say that from the beginning? I think they vaguely dropped the mention of a dark tower in mm. part one. I caught it, but it didn't make any sense. And Mark Twain here is just like, that's it. That's the source of the river I've been seeking this whole time, the Dark Tower. And I'm just like, is it? Okay. Yeah. Well, because I, I should mention, he hasn't been seeking that. Matt, still through this episode, still will be like, I should go find Jesse. He'll still talk about He's like, I know Jesse's out there, even though she's uh, she's nailing old uh, Richard Burton. I should still go find Jesse. Oh, yeah. No, no I, I was talking about Mark Twain. This has been this was what Mark Twain apparently was seeing. Oh, sorry. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> anyway. Richard Burton's men, of course, just look up and see a giant Zeppelin coming their way. And one of his henchmen has a, uh, what looks like it was designed for the live-action Flintstones movie, a rocket <laughs> launcher that's built out of a log. I loved it. I I'll have to say, though, you make fun of this thing. It's accurate. And not only is it accurate, it's auto-reloading. He's just firing rocket after rocket out of it without ever stopping to put more rockets in. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he hit, they're like, hey, there's a Zeppelin up there. Shoot it, Bazooka Boy. And he's like, you got it. He shoots one, nails it. Shoots another one, nails it. I was like, pretty good. Two for two. I know. I love this Zeppelin, which in theory would explode like the uh, Hindenburg yeah. does not. Uh, but the first rocket bit hits the front of the Zeppelin where everyone's standing in the like control center. All the windows explode and shatter, but they don't react or move like anything has happened. <laughs> 
<laughs> they're like, I think we're hit. Anyway. The, the Zeppelin slowly starts crashing toward the ground. It's the slowest descent ever. Mm-hmm. They all like, we got we to gotta abandon the Zeppelin. They're all like hanging off on a rope ladder on the side. And as they're waiting, I guess they're hoping, and I mean, this is what happens. The Zeppelin slowly but surely gets lower and lower until it's just hovering just above the riverboat. And then they all just like jump onto the riverboat. With the exception of Simon, who at some point falls off very high in the sky and we're just like, what happened to Simon? He just fell off, like, at some point. And, like, ten minutes later, we cut to him. He's mortally wounded on the side of a beach in extreme pain. Matt finds him. He's just like, hey, hang in there. And he just leaves him there to suffer to die. I'm just like... That's what I, I mentioned at the beginning of this. It was so crazy because it's like... I'm not saying you should just... The, the solution should be just kill him. However, we've learned killing doesn't mean the same thing as it does here on Earth. In Riverworld... Death is a is a cyclical thing. You could just say, hey, man, you're suffering. Do you want me to end that? Because I know you'll be back in a day or so. And he's just like, no, you're suffering. Anyways, good luck with that, my friend. And we find out that Simon does eventually die from that. So it's like, so he just let him suffer to death. He fell hundreds of feet. <laughs> he's badly injured. Badly injured. There's no medicine that's going to cure him on Riverworld. He's just in yeah. extreme pain. Help this guy out. I mean, anyway, that gets Simon out of the picture because he fell off. And then also, just because we have too many characters, this, as Zeppelin slowly crashes, the guy who built the Hindenburg and the World War II pilot don't bother getting off of it and just also explode. I'm just like, okay, well, I guess we just didn't need them. So. One weird thing I was thinking about when I was watching this, though, is Mark Twain takes the time to build a boat. And later at the end of the episode, he talks about remaking the boat. And he mentions it took, like I think it was eight years for him to build it. So I'm assuming the first time he built it, it also took about eight years. And all that time, we see this boat going down the water. Someone has a Zeppelin, I guess they built as well, on Riverworld. No one's building homes? No, You don't no, see no, any no. homes. There's no structures. Why? Only old-timey vehicles allowed. I know. It's just like, but like, you have the materials to build a Zeppelin, but you haven't just built, like, I don't know, a washroom? <laughs> a, a house? A house with a little fireplace? You know? No one's settling down on Riverworld, apparently. No, I guess not. As they're coming down and getting onto the ship, we, we cut to the ship, and um, Allegra, the whole time you're like, has Allegra switched sides? Is she is she a free agent <laughs> who's working with Richard Burton? No, she's poisoned some of Richard Burton's men. Not all of them, because some of them are still firing rocket launchers, but some of them are dead. Yeah, yeah, because then, like, they also get another pervy moment, because there's not enough, like like, sexual assaults where, like, the Russian guy, like, hits on her in a gross way and you're like oh men uh yeah who knows uh but anyway richard burden he's already abandoned the uh the riverboat so when when you know our heroes finally get back to the riverboat jumping off the zeppelin he's gone he's taken the fusion reactor and he's gone into a cave underneath uh underneath the dark tower so mm. they've got to catch up with him i'm just like well let's go team we, we we've got a few of you left alive let's go everyone but matt and Tomo stays on the boat and does not help any further. Yeah, why is that? I don't know. The boat is sinking, apparently. It's on fire. And they're like, we're going to stay here. And my favorite part is, like, they jumped onto the riverboat. The riverboat's obviously in a river. Uh, Richard Burton's taken some some paddle boats to the shore so he can get into the cave. And Matt's just like, I've got to go stop him. Hard cut. We see a completely dry Matt with his feet standing in the river as if he's just appeared on the side of the river. It's just stepping out of the river. I'm just like... He didn't. He's completely dry. Like, are you trying? To, are you trying to imply he jumped off the boat and swam over here? But like, you guys didn't want to bother with that shot, so he's just now standing in ankle deep water. 
Well, I'll say this. Uh, it's only somewhat related to the scenes that are going to come. Is this episode comparing uh, as a comparative to last episode? This is a real action episode. You could tell what they I think what they wanted was a setup to this world. You learn about these characters. You like them. Then it's a big action piece for the second half. Now, there's a lot of fighting in this. It's You're not very good TV choreographed fighting from this time period, but there's a lot of it, and there's scene after scene, but none of it means anything, and there's no point to it, or there's no drive to it. So you just get a bunch of scenes that you just get numb to, because it's like, they're fighting on the boat. Now they're fighting on the mountain. Now they're fighting in the sewers. Now they're fighting on the beach. And you're just like, why? I don't know why any of these people are fighting, or why they're angry, or why anyone cares. And there's just a series and series of like this. They go into the sewer and they fight again. And guess what? Tomo is going to get killed. We're supposed to feel upset. It doesn't matter. We know she's going to come back. Does she come back? Of course she does. More fighting. It's just like rinse and repeat over and over. The fights are like they show up. There's three generic bad guys. They each punch one in the face and it's over in like yeah. five. Like the fights aren't like extended fights. They are over in five seconds. It's like literally like meet a bad guy, punch him in the face move on like there's not even like stakes where like oh is, is matt gonna get beat no no he just punches the guy in the face he never <laughs> was in any jeopardy at all yeah and then like you said to that point like matt and tomo are the only ones who go to the shore to stop richard burton they walk into a cave there's some generic henchmen they punch each one of them and in the process of punching them in five seconds tomo's like oh I, oops i got stabbed i'm dead and you're like what you've been here for 30 seconds and she's like yeah bye i'm dead see you later i'm like oh okay Okay. It's yeah, and it's because they want Matt to be solo for this this adventure, but like or the final fight, I guess. But you could have had like the journey to this this tower was so tumultuous and so dangerous and so perilous that the characters were getting knocked off one by one and he's the only one left. I mean, I don't I don't know, is it too Lord of the Rings like just searching for this thing, but it just was like I, yeah, they just they just kill people whenever they feel like it. And again, do you even care? Do you care? Because I don't even think at the end, Matt, uh, when he gets up there, it's like, do you even know what you're supposed to be doing? He's no, always he been talking about Jesse the whole doing. time. His only objective is to stop Richard Burton. So that's yeah. all he's doing. And I mean, to your point, yeah. why it feels like that is they've spent all this time, particularly in part one, but he's still in part two as well. Is like building a team there's just so many characters they keep picking up yeah. and picking up to the point that you're like well i guess the whole team has to go it's like it's a it's a story about a team who has to come together to stop something but at the last second they're like no no only matt goes i'm like but everyone's here they're like don't no no everyone else can just wait on the riverboat it's fine anyway <laughs> i love it matt goes in this cave tomo dies matt comes across just a thing sitting in the cave he's seen no one using it it's just like some weird piece of alien technology he just gets on it and pushes a button and is teleported up to the Dark Tower. And I'm just like, how did you know how to use that? What the portal sort of reminded me of was they look just like... Uh, do you remember the old Doom game? Remember Doom? Oh, yeah, you yeah, used to yeah. To, You had to stand on the pentagram and get portal to order places. That's what it looked like. Yeah, that's not a bad that's not a bad description. It, like, it just takes him up, shortcuts him up to the top of the mountain to the Dark Tower. Yeah. He, as you said, he, he just fights Richard Burton on what looks like is the set from uh, Star Trek Generations, the, uh, the platform <laughs> Sauron has to get into the Nexus, but it's inside. It really does. Yeah, yeah, that, uh, that's good. That's very good. Um, and, like, finally Matt's about to kill Burton. He's, like, choking him out. And then... Jesse just steps out of clouds that are like out a window and she's also dressed in a cloak like a caretaker but I don't know she's not a caretaker I don't she just appears out of the clouds 
and she's like, don't kill Richard Burton. I'm on his side. And then the two caretakers, Alan Cumming and the lady caretaker show up and they're just like mm-hmm. watching this all happen. They're just like, this is just like chess. I'm like, is it? Is it just like chess? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like a game where there's no rules. And Jesse just explains that like, she also wants to explode Riverworld because that's like she she agrees it's torture and she's been helping Richard Burton. And then she's like, but now that I've seen you, Matt, maybe I don't believe that anymore. And maybe we don't blow it up. And then suddenly like an alien spaceship driven by a caretaker just appears out the window and the clouds just hovering there pointlessly. I think that was my favorite part of this. I love that an alien spaceship shows up. You're like, sorry, what was that? <laughs> Yeah, just just there to hover, just there to check it. It's also <laughs> shown up to watch the chess game. <laughs> it's great. And Matt attempts to talk Richard Burton down at this point from destroying Riverworld. And he makes the case. He's just like, listen, and it, I'm really reading into this, so I'm going to explain to you what I think is happening here. But like my understanding here is that what he's making the case for is just like, yes, you could blow up Riverworld. You could stop us all from living this like repeating lifestyle. But he's just like, I need you to think about one thing. You love Jesse like I love Jesse. And if you destroy Riverworld, no one will have the experience we've had of meeting Jesse. Like the premise being like you'll never experience love in the same way. Like that's kind of what he's using to try to talk Richard Burton down. And at this moment he reveals, he's just like, we have this in common, Richard Burton. I only (laughs) knew Jesse for eight weeks. I was like, that's right. Excuse me? You knew this woman for eight weeks. You were A, proposing, and B, searching Riverworld forever for her. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's weird that they had to drop that in, huh? I was like, that really undercuts everything you said. And then Richard Burton's like, yeah, I've known her for eight months. I'm like, well, she, Richard Burton or have a better relationship? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he has a point. But at any rate, even this argument that Jesse's so cool, we should keep Riverworld going, doesn't push Richard Burton over the edge. And Richard Burton gets the most action hero moment of the movie where he grabs the fusion drive and he runs across the set and in slow motion leaps off the side of the tower into the floating alien spaceship as the fusion drive explodes. And so the fusion drive's exploding, it blowing up this ship, bafflingly matt grabs jesse and says we've got to run and then is immediately vaporized i'm just like what we've got to run yeah yeah they're all killed the it not only kills them on the mountain it also kills it's such a big explosion it destroys everything on the ground too everyone on the riverboat's killed everybody's dead it kills everybody richard burton set off the fusion drive he intended to set off and Matt did nothing. He did nothing. There's no, he did nothing to help it. Like, Richard Burton appears to have won. Cut to Matt and Tomo swimming up onto a beach in Riverworld. Riverworld's still here. They didn't destroy it. Mark Twain yeah. pulls up on a riverboat and explains, hey, I've been back for eight years. I, yeah, as you said, in that eight years, I've rebuilt the riverboat. I've been traveling mm-hmm. the world. I've been gathering the old team together. You're the last two I needed to find. So great job. You're here. And... We're, we're going to go back up the river now to find the source. And I'm just like, but you, you did that already, Mark Twain, and it didn't mean anything. Yeah, but he's like, they're like, uh, it's going to take a long time. He's like, don't worry, it's a long river. And I was like, what? Yeah, and then the second chance caretaker <laughs> lady shows up. She brings Matt aside, and she's like, 
Listen, let me explain what happened, Matt. Richard Burton jumped at that spaceship with the fusion drive as it was exploding, but the spaceship's force field prevented the explosion from fusing with Riverworld's power source. So, Matt, you saved Riverworld. And Matt literally replies, I didn't do anything. And I was like, he's right. He didn't do anything. Like, it was crazy. She's like, she's like, this is how it didn't explode the planet, which makes no sense. And it's all thanks to you, Matt. And then to have your lead character respond correctly, I I didn't do anything. It's like, I don't, what was this movie? Yeah. And then, and then for whatever reason, we go back to the waterbeds. Alan Cummins, there perving on people because they're all naked in their beds, except for like a little like loincloth. And then we see all the people and we go, oh, Jesse's in these, one of these beds. And so's Burton. And they, they they both wake up. Yeah, I guess round two starting or whatever. Yeah, and I was like, oh, are they, are they on the same side again? I don't I don't know. And and that's it. And and that's that's Riverworld. Like, what a anticlimactic not only end to this episode but end to the overall like three hours we spent on this. It's wild. It's truly wild. I mean, obviously, with no deaths having any meaning, it makes it you know really takes the wind out of it. Like you're just gonna constantly mm-hmm. be repeating these same like battles. But then to have the climax happen, to have Matt fail to do anything, and like the bad thing happen, and then just like oh, it didn't mean anything though. It's just like it all worked out anyway. And like so, it's still so funny to me. The caretaker's like, it's all thanks to you, Matt. I didn't. I didn't do anything, and I'm just sitting at home being like, he didn't. What? It is funny happened. though, because if you think about it, like Matt could have not been there at all, and everything would have happened exactly the same. Yeah, absolutely. It there was no <laughs> difference. Like when she's sitting there saying like, it's all thanks to you. I'm just like, I can't figure out how you think that. <laughs> it's weird too. Like, why did they have Matt make that decision at the end, and he jumped and destroyed things, and they were like. You actually, you know, tried, but it didn't quite work because you're going to have to do this again in future adventures. But it was like, he just ran away. (laughs) Run away from the explosion. Oh, I got vaporized. (laughs) My bad. (laughs) Yeah, and that's it. That's that's Riverworld. That's that's Riverworld, eh, Jordan? Mm -hmm. Well, what do you think? What do you want to rate part two of Riverworld? You know, I thought, um, I think on the last one, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Luke, I think you gave it a two, I gave it a four. I think... I think at the time I was like, nah, it has something going. I think you were actually closer to the score it should have been because I can't give this more than a one. This was terrible. And I, and now it's making me uh, reevaluate the first half. Yeah, I feel very similar. Um, I, think I, I think I'll just also give it a one. There's something perversely entertaining about watching a show where every character is perpetually stopping to tell you how bad death is when you're sitting at home being like, it's not, though. Yeah. It's not. Stop telling me it. Why are we doing this every five minutes? Yeah. It's it's just it this was a really, really badly written uh episode of television or movie, I guess. It's really confusing as to like what is happening, why it's happening, and let's like even like what the thought process was behind it. Like you can't really find the reason it was made. Yeah, well, other than Riverworld is popular, we're gonna make a version of it. But we're going to change most of the things I think people like, and we're just going to make it real boring. Yeah, I guess the reason is that uh, sci-fi still had the rights to do yeah. it, and they're like, well, let's give it another try. Uh, don't worry. We'll just rush it out there. Whatever you want to write is fine. <laughs> yeah, definitely worse than the 2003. All right, Jordan, you want to hear the final rating for Riverworld now that we've got both parts done? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, let me type in the computer here. 
And the the final the final mini series rating, I guess, for these these two this two part movie is it comes mm-hmm. to a solid series average of two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not far off. I mean, it's it's pretty, probably actually perfectly accurate. Yeah, <laughs> one for each part. Yeah, it's not good. I mean, I mean, you're gonna ask, but I wouldn't recommend this to anyone. No, baffling, baffling, a baffling show. Don't watch it. <laughs> it's bad on like almost any any sort of uh, uh, metric. Yeah, any sort of metric that you want, you're just like, there's nothing good, nothing good in this. Yeah, it's truly a wild time. But that wraps it up. So uh, we'll we'll move on from that with a little announcement about our bonus episodes for charity, uh, as we've done every every episode and every episode I do this little this announcement. So maybe you know it already, but. Um, mm-hmm. We occasionally don't watch an entire television series. Sometimes when we're watching something, it'll fall below that uh, that rating level where we take the escape pod under under five points, which would have happened to Riverworld if it were any longer. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, and we'll skip a few episodes near the end of it. Or if we're watching a best of series, often we just watch the top three episodes of a season and move on. So it leaves a lot of series we've watched but have missed episodes of. And maybe you, the listener, wish we'd go back and do one more episode of that. There's an episode you want us to do that we've skipped on. That's what bonus episodes of Charity are on are all about. You make a donation to a charity based on a list of charities as selected by our past guests, and then we go back and record a special episode for you, the listener. I mean, everyone gets to listen to it because uh, we put it on the main feed, but um, we, you know, you know, it's for you. Yeah. Well, it's, it's because it's because that person, whoever they are, they're the ones who picked it, so it is for them. But everyone gets to enjoy their kindness exactly exactly and you can find out all the details at our website continuumdrag.podbean.com or on our social media there's links in our bios there so just follow that you can get all the information there or if you have any questions just email us continuumdrag at gmail.com is the email there real easy to get a hold of us and of course on instagram twitter and facebook we'll have some of the clips from uh from riverworld part two uh zeppelins uh dark towers um caretakers waterboarding you <laughs> Yeah, that was a good one. Um, and uh, that's that's all at Continuum Dregs, the handle on all those social media platforms. Um, but that wraps it up for Riverworld. We've we've now watched both versions of Riverworld. Nobody ever tried to make it again. It's not worth it. <laughs> no, I hope there's a new version. Sci-Fi's back. They've got a new idea. Yeah. What if yeah. Riverworld was about the uh, insurrection in Washington on December whatever, 8th or whatever. <laughs> January 6th. January 6th. Thank you. Yeah. That's what Riverworld's a metaphor for now. Can't wait to tune in. <laughs> uh, but that wraps it up. So, listener, thank you for joining us. And, Jordan, I'll see you next week. I'll see you then. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario, and Seoul, South Korea. Theme music by James Rick Seedler. Produced by Jordan Dalek and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Younes. <laughs>